Welcome back, listeners, to a very exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. It's our 100th episode. And uh, absent my wife, I'm not sure that anybody listening right now has been with us through all 100 episodes. If you had, God bless you. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Greetings, greetings. Excited to be here. We are without uh, Buffalo Bill Belcher, but the president of the Bills backer, Sujit, has joined us. Hello, hello, hello. And we have a thrilling victory over the Minnesota Vikings to go over and a very important division matchup against the New York Jets heading into our bye week this week to go over as well. Billsandbeers.com, best way to find us. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found the podcast. Folks, it's it's a momentous occasion for us, for the Bills, for everybody in Bills Nation. Let's not waste any more time. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout it right now, baby. Come on, come on. So not only is it our 100th episode, but... 100! I think it's tied into the fact that Peyton Manning also broke a record this week. So just as pivotal, records being broken across the board this week. And and I do believe that uh, our occasion is receiving just as much coverage on NFL.com, so hooray for us. I did tell somebody about our podcast, so that's probably, you know... Good, thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've told somebody too. Hey, let's talk about this Minnesota Vikings game. There's a lot to talk about, so let's just get right into it. Suge, we'll start with you. Uh, We'll work our way to the positive, but this is a game we almost lost. I I hesitate to say we should have lost because I was confident right up until the 4th and 20 that we were going to win the game, and then I was brought right back uh, by that miraculous throwing catch. I, I would like to say that Lars had some spectacular optimism. <laughs> Considering the level of play that was going on, you know, I mean, granted, both teams were just miserable. It was it was almost, you know, from predictions last week, I said, oh, I just hope it's not one of those 6-9 and nine games. It might it was, as well it was have been a 6-9 and nine game because it was that ugly. And I, I, I would, would have to say, though, the, the optimism was contagious at the station. I yeah. felt... Even when we were down, games in the end, the end, you know, about to end, it's on the line. Everyone there was kind of like, we're still gonna win this. I, I have to say, I think there's some young Bills fans at, at the station because there's a lot of like bushy eye or whatever, uh, bright eyed, bushy bright-eyed, tailed. bushy-tailed, happy, never miserable. Just like we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. You gotta believe. And then there's like <laughs> I was like, shut up, it's gonna happen. We're gonna screw it up. There's again. still a second on the clock. There's okay? a second on the clock. We haven't. There's definitely a flag. We haven't kicked the extra point, and we certainly haven't kicked off yet. Do not start celebrating. Uh, I, you know, Sorry. optimism. One word. I, I also, with a few exceptions, and it, it was aimed mostly towards the officiating. I, I would say I, I, I maintained a pretty even keel as well. I stayed pretty calm throughout the contest too. But, Suge, we'll start with you. I did. I, I flipped out. Well, I, I made the commitment to myself that I wasn't going to yell at any young teenagers. Um, so I also forced myself to not get too high and not get too low. It helped that I didn't drink in the first half. Well, let's start on the low point. Who was your Jenny Cream Ale bummer of Sunday's game? Oh, you don't actually it, – it's so hard once we win. You know, even though there was a million people that played very badly um, – I'm going to have to go with 
All right. I've been picking on the guards all year. Yeah. And they're still my Jenny Creamel player. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say someone different. So if I had a number one choice, it's guards. Feel free to take them from me. Um, they're just a hot mess. But I'm going to go with special teams coordinator Danny Crossman. What? Because of the fact that I don't understand what was happening with kickoffs. Oh, th- th- I think game. Marone was very clear that th- that was a m- gay fuck that up okay so well then then if if, if it's purely on gay then <laughs> I, I, it's so hard to insult gay because you sound like you're being homophobe <laughs> so anyway so then if it's on gay then i mean the squib kick was a hot mess the kickoffs were nowhere near you know i think like what they were saying that out of like seven times we got the ball down it's like three out of the times it's has we actually gotten a touchdown in the past or touchback in the past um seven kickoffs or something like that Either way, the percentage is not good. It was something like 43%. It's on the decline. Yeah, and so, I, I don't know. I mean, it did look like it was pretty windy there. But, I mean, a squib kick is a squib kick. you got to get the damn thing in the air. Well, Cass, uh, do you have a bummer, a Jenny Cremiel bummer of Sunday's game? I do, and I'm kind of keeping it in the vein that Sujit went, and I'm going with Jim Schwartz. Okay, yeah. Okay. I just felt overall the defensive game plan was horrible. It was the first time we were really run on first hundred yard rusher of the year it's awful and and here's the thing he used to coach the lions he should know minnesota or at least some of those players so i was just really 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 disappointed in play calling and the penalties on defense everything across the board so i'm placing the blame on him you know we heard we heard actually for the first time this year on either side of the ball we used to hear this routinely when Trent Edwards would give press conference, which was, yeah, they were giving us new looks this week. Uh, they were doing things on defense that we'd never seen before, and we'd never showed that on film. Um, and th- we haven't heard any of that this year, but uh, we heard the defensive players say that that a couple of their run schemes were new wrinkles that, that were brand new. I guess that's a co- – I mean, if you have nothing to prepare for, but at the same time, their offensive coordinator found a way to find a wrinkle to counter what we do. So, yeah, I guess that does fall directly on Schwartz. I mean, I think that the problem is that Schwartz was used to fighting Adrian Peterson. And so when this guy came on, you know, it was just – it's so much more difficult to defend against this new guy whose name I don't even know. McKinnon? Than it is, yeah, than it is to defend against Adrian Peterson. I mean, seriously, if you're used to defending Adrian Peterson, you really can't stop the Minnesota Vikings when they have a no-name <laughs> running back. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, I completely agree with you, Cass. I'd, and it wasn't like they eked by with 100 yards. It was like 150-something yards. Mm. No? Maybe. Maybe total. Maybe maybe combined. So, speaking of yardage, can I just take a, a moment before you get into your Jenny Cream mail player? So... Kyle Orton was 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 like seventy percent roughly, <laughs> yeah, again. and threw for two hundred and eighty-two or something yards. Fun fact: posted it on Facebook. We needed eighty yards for the game-winning touchdown. Instead, we got one hundred five. Well, right. So this this gets to that point. And if you look at our total passing yards for the game, it was two hundred and fifty-five. But Court Orton threw for two hundred and eighty-two because of sacks. We were sacked six times. So. But doesn't that count as passing yards? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just not I comfortable. I think some websites counted against rushing. Other, I don't know. Um, my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week, of not of his own doing, but he gets beat up on this podcast enough, and it truly was a bummer to see him finally get some space, get 53 yards, and then have his collarbone, collarbone broken, his collarbone broken. 
announced today he'll be put on IR2 return list. So he joins Kiko Alonso as waiting in the wings for the Buffalo Bills playoff run to rejoin the roster. But C.J. Spiller, boy oh boy, first run of the game, they evidently were listening to this podcast because they weren't trying him up the middle and they finally got the defense to commit one way so he could counter and get all the space in the world that you've been calling for that everybody wants to see. He runs at 53 yards down the sideline, and now here's the kicker. He got caught from behind. I thought C.J. Spiller didn't get caught from behind. When he crossed the 50-yard line and there was nobody in the screen, didn't yeah. weren't we all assuming that was going to be a touchdown? We all stood up ready to cheer. So what you happened? Know? What's going on with C.J. that he gets caught from behind now? Because if he doesn't get caught from behind, he's in the end zone I clean. I think that he hasn't had that many full, uh, full field sprints this year. He's so used to only running three yards and then getting tackled at the line that he's just not used to running long distance. That's what I'm going I with. I don't, I mean, here's the thing, though, but if he, he clearly hasn't had a lot of game practice but what's with his, long Okay, runs. and I don't mean to beat him up because he's injured, but, like, what's his value if he doesn't score there? Because that's his thing. Well, you got to account for C.J. Spiller because you can score a touchdown any time. Well, apparently not Yeah. because he got completely run down from behind. That I mean, that was his one thing was, well, if he gets in the open field, goodbye. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I and this isn't the first thing. It happened last year against the Falcons, too. Yeah, no, it's true. And, I mean, we used to, when Fred would break open, you know, and, and he you would expect get, him he, to get yeah, caught. Yeah, he would get caught from behind. We're like, oh, well, that's the big thing about Fred versus CJ. CJ would never get caught, but apparently he gets different. caught. Well, um, it's the, the Bryce Brown era well, so that, will begin Sunday. Yeah, so is this CJ's last game? CJ has an option the Bills can exercise on his rookie contract that he'll make $2.2 million next year if the Bills want to give it to him. So I think at this point, I don't think any other team is going to offer him $2.2 million next would he, year. Would he have to hold out in order to get Like if they wanted to offer that? That and, wouldn't be a franchise tag, would it? Oh, God, no. Okay. Oh, no. But would he like? is he still under contract if they want it? Like the, Yeah, the Bills, both, the, okay. the Bills have all the... The leverage. The leverage, I think. Because, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to offer him that kind of money. 2.2? When, okay, when you take that run out of his year total oh, and he's no, averaging 3.1. You know, you'd have to assume that you're smarter than the Bills, right? It would be someone that's like, oh, I'm going to use C.J. Spiller as a slot receiver. I'm going to use C.J. Spiller as a you know, third down back or something like that. Not as an all-purpose back like we've tried to use him. It would be someone that, like like picking up Reggie Bush, because you know, Reggie Bush didn't play that well, and then New Orleans... Uh, New Orleans? Lions. Sorry, Lions picked him up. I mean... The... I mean Miami picked him up. Um, so, I mean, that that's... And for $2.2 million, isn't that bad of a deal for a, a, a role player? You well, know, especially a, 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 an exciting role player. Yeah, it, one that can't be caught from behind, I would argue. But well, what well, a few things. Like, he's been on the team. He knows the offense. He knows the players. He's invested. So, I think there's some sort of value into that. The question is, is, I mean, let's talk about this in four weeks when... We'll know officially kind whether of, or not we need him. Whether we need him, yeah, because Freddie will be back hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, I I be back if he, I don't honestly don't think we're gonna miss a whole lot. I don't think we are either. I mean, with with Booby and Bryce, because yeah. the bees. I've been hey, I like that. Uh, I've been saying, and I, I it's it's now my go to phrase. We have a stable of flawed running backs. Yeah. Um, Fred Jackson, I don't think there's a Bills fan out there who doesn't not have his head up his ass who wouldn't argue that Fred is flawed. What is his flaws? He's 33 years old and he gets run down from behind because he's not the fastest guy in the world. He can get you seven yards anytime he touches the ball, and that's great, but he's well, not the home run threat. Need, you know, like, I, I agree, but I mean, 
Right. He's old, and right. you know he popped his groin because he's old. Right. I mean, you, you were going to catch Jerome Bettis from behind us as well. You know. Yeah. Not that, but it's a lot harder to tackle. But a twenty. Bettis. I don't think a twenty-four-year-old running back has the injury that Fred Jackson yeah. is now missing four weeks for. Yeah. Um. So on that note, um, Bryce Brown. Bryce Brown. We'll come. We'll. We'll more on that when we get up to the Jets. But, uh, Cass, we'll come back to you. Who is your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's contest? So I think this is a tough one because there are few and far between, except for Sammy, obviously. Oh, God. I mean, that's just the obvious done. Cream I of wish, the crop takes the golden ticket. You know, ticket. It's, it's our 100th episode, and I wish he was here because he's been with us since episode one. But I really wish Bill was here to defend his his criticism of the Sammy Watkins pick because I think that the, the detractors from draft day are now few and far between. I totally agree. I mean, it's... Throw the ball anywhere around him, and he's going to catch it, and he's going to get open. I mean, we were just watching him. is so exciting. But I'm not going to go Sammy. I'm going to go reverse of Suji, the guy I rag on all the time. Oh, please. Can't stand him. I thought he had a pretty decent game, and that was Stephon Gilmore. All right. I, all right. He was there. He was making, I think it was the first quarter, where I think one of the first plays. He made a great, you know, open field tackle. He wasn't playing completely with his head up his butt. But, uh, or I can swear now, head up his ass. There you go. Um, so I would, I'm going to give it to Stephon Gilmore because I feel like, you know, out of all the turds that we had out there, he was one of the less smelly ones. Only targeted twice, uh, one for a completion on third and 18. Just like to throw that out there. <laughs> like I said, there were a lot of turds out there. I was just looking for the there shiny was, one. This is two weeks in a row that Stephon Gilmore is one of a Labatt Blue Player of the Week. This He's a good player. I know. No, no, Bill, no. Bill, My, Bill picked him last week. Yeah, but Bill and I both hate him, so our bar's very low on him. So so as long as he's yeah, like not as he's... shitting the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, I'd also like to compliment you on the volume that you're using, projecting into the <laughs> microphone. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's very, look at the lines Those on the screen. It's I'm so gonna, nice. I'm gonna go ahead and give my Labatt Blue, bit bit Labatt Blue MVP to Marcel Darius. Uh, yeah. Another guy who, you know, apparently he was drag raising his Dodge Dart or wherever it was against Jerry, Jerry Hughes. But the two of them are a force to be reckoned with this year. I hope we have the money to sign both of them long term. Jerry, I think it's likely we'll see him walk. But Marcel Darius, he has seven sacks. He's, he's a defensive tackle. In, the NFL. in sacks. And he's a defensive tackle. I mean, that's ridiculous. He is having a, a monstrous year. I mean, if he's not all pro, if if he keeps up the level of play he's he's at right now for the second half of the season and is not named all pro, it's a crime against humanity. I'm pretty sure that if he gets no more sacks for the rest of the year, he'll still probably lead most of the tackles. Didn't well, was it him or Kyle Williams or both who had double digit sacks last year? No, neither. No. One neither. of them definitely did. Marcel Jarrett had five sacks last year. Okay. But let me come back to that though. So uh, I know Jimmy Schwartz. Hughes got... and Hughes and Mario had double digit sacks last year. Well, I know we beat up. I'm pretty sure one of. The, I think Mar- I think Darius did last year too. I know we beat up. Look up real quick. We got all. We have we literally have, all the, the knowledge of the, the universe internet. at our fingertips. Um, and while you do, where's my phone at? You're sitting on it. <laughs> um, Schwartz got beat up a little bit on the podcast already. How about this though? Did we think that through seven games that we would continue the momentum of last year and Mike Pettin's all-for-broke defense and still be leading the NFL in sacks? Because we are right now at almost the midpoint of the season. It's Yeah, it's, it's funny because it, it doesn't feel like we have as many sacks. But I think that's because 
you know, they're not teams flashy. are running. Yeah, they're not flashy. Teams are trying to run against us, and we're stopping them there. So I think that you know, there's a lot more focus on. Wow, we're actually stopping the run. Last year it was like teams just drop back all the time because they were like, we're not gonna, you know. No, actually, I guess that's the dream. English got lost in my last <laughs> statement. Just well, well so, okay, I mean, but I think what you're, what, what you're going it was for... Just, they were more exotic sets. Yeah, exactly. Guys would become running in full full head of steam, untouched, and just clock the quarterback. We're not seeing that. Instead, this year, it's just pockets collapsing, and all of a sudden, the quarterback disappears in a scrum of white or blue jerseys. And, you know, it's the push from the center that's very different. Yeah, it's Marcel Darius. Yeah, no, it is. It is, and it's Kyle Williams, too. I mean... And it's, you know, and more than that, I mean, not more than that, but the same amount as that, is it's Stefan Charles, and it's, yeah. and it's you know, it's Win it's, I Corbin mean, these back, backups are playing really, really well. And we haven't even mentioned either of those two guys. I think uh, we like to talk about um, Stefan Charles because he's a, he's a Canuck, but we don't talk about those guys nearly enough either. I will say, though, there has been some critique that Mario Williams has been out of the rotation in some key drives this season, but... That's been something we've been commenting on, or at least observing all season, which is even in the second half, there's been an aggressive rotation. But the one thing, though, I want to bring back is with Marcel Darius is I was a little nervous about him with that, you know, head case, having issues off the field, everything. And it looks like he's straightened that out, or at least we're not hearing about it as much. So I think some people just don't do well with the offseason. You know, like, <laughs> he, I mean, well, you know, actually, that's not, that's not entirely true because I guess last. Last year, he also got benched for, for yeah, being not late showing to up. Team. Yeah. Team yeah. That was during the season. So I don't know what happened. I mean, didn't he have some family issues that he, he was he was fighting his, through? Didn't his brother and his he's, aunt he's pass got away? Like, yeah. And, yeah, some, yeah. So but he, it looks like things have straightened out, and you know he's he's there fully, you know, physically and mentally. So. So yeah, Lars would like to clarify that it was actually Kyle Williams last year who had ten and a half sacks, who and surprisingly. Mario. Well, yeah, and, 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 and Jerry Hughes, Hughes had ten, and Mario I think had, Mario had like fourteen, yeah, something like that. Um, so Kyle Williams only has one sack this year. Yeah, but he's playing like a man what? child. Isn't that surprising? So, anyways, um, all right. So I guess it's it's my turn for a Labatt Blue Player of the Week. Uh, okay. I, can we just all agree that collectively, how about we for Bill we pick Sammy Watkins? Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's such the obvious choice. I am definitely gonna go with Chris Hogan. Yeah. He cost us three points. Yeah. He sure did, but he also made an ESPN top ten play that is <laughs> yeah. the only reason that we won the game. And how often do we see a Bills player go up in the air and come down with that back shoulder catch? We rarely have yeah. seen and that. And not drop it. Two defenders all over him. He also had some good catches during the game. Now, granted, he screwed up, but I mean, I'm not going to... He blame. atoned. Um, yeah. I mean, same thing when we were just watching the last uh, drive... And Chandler had a huge drop on third and 17, which led to us having the fourth and 20, but he made up for it on the next play by converting the fourth and 20. Now, like, just like I'm not going to bag on Kyle Orton for having a pick and a fumble, pick and a fumble, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he fought back and he did what he needed to do to win the game. So I'm certainly not going to bag on Chris Hogan, but I, the reason that he's my Labatlu player and not Kyle Orton, who did something bad and, and then came back is because I don't expect that from him. I expect him to make a fumble because he's a nobody and not not do something to amaze you at the end of the game. Well, here's something so, else you can expect. A lot more throws to go his way. Kyle Orton's a big fan. 
I'm also pulling up something because, yes, I'm on Instagram all the time, and now I'm following Chris Hogan, and I thought <laughs> the gentleman here would be very interested because he's engaged. That would be his fiance. Is she, what, 17? Oh, shit. Wh- which one? On the, the middle? One on the, the right. Line? The one that's wearing a skin... Tight. Actually, of the three, I can see well, her whole right. coochie okay. right there. Mm-hmm. All right, she's pretty good looking. Let's just go with that. Let me uh, uh, before we classy though, classy dress. Before we wrap up this segment and get into talking about the Jets, let me ask you this because this was something that came up a lot during the EJ Manuel era, and now we have <laughs> era. Yeah, <laughs> now we have a control group to go by. What are we getting with Kyle Orton? We're getting stability at the quarterback position. We're getting some great end-of-the-game heroics. We're getting better production in the red zone. We're getting better looks downfield. We're getting a more versatile offense. We're getting a wider playbook. We're getting, hopefully, better run lanes. We'll but talk so, about that coming up. we're not getting up. run lanes, though. But, I mean, we're not uh, running. Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but I'm... here's what we're also getting. We're also getting safely one turnover a game. And I used to say about EJ Manuel, would you trade his risk-averse play for one turnover a game if you knew that you were going to get improvement everywhere else? Well, regardless of what your answer was, now you're getting it with Kyle Orton. We can pretty much guarantee, I mean, he has three starts and he's turned the ball over at least once in every one of those games, be it a fumble or an interception or both. Are we fine with him turning the ball over once a game? Uh, I am more than okay with it as long as uh, with two minutes to go left in the game, he drives us down the field and gets And us only a... throws it to Sammy Watkins or Chris Hogan? Uh, yeah. Makes complete passes for touchdowns? Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. I mean, so here's the thing, though. It, yeah, it's great. You came back and win the game, but why were we in that position in the first place? That's... Because of three fumbles. His, right. Robert Woods, Yeah, no, I'm, it's not all Chris Hogan. Yeah. Um, That's a nine-point swing. Now, we, we talked about it. it right. It's at least a nine-point swing. Right, and I mean, and his interception. I think the defense stopped him. Right, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they got. Well, that's. I mean, that's the interception. I think you can't off, answer off my point. question without saying, well, what is? How does the defense respond? Right. And who, I was to say we wouldn't have scored on that drive that he threw the interception. You know, and so I mean, I think that we are lucky that we have such a good defense. You are know? we lucky? Lucky, lucky is a word that insinuates that we just happened upon this defense and this personnel and our well, coordinator. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, well, okay, how about our offense is lucky that they have such a good defense on their team? You know, like, I, I think that we've dug ourselves into holes. I don't think that with those turnovers, with, without those turnovers, I don't know that we lose to the Patriots, at least not in the fashion that we did. Absolutely I not. know we don't lose to Houston. No. Uh, now, granted, that wasn't Kyle Orton. Um, but, you know, he has a 50-50 average of turnovers to touchdowns so he's had thrown five touchdowns he's had five turnovers is it is it fair to say then that we have lost or been in close games for no other reason because of turnovers uh well yes i think that i think that's that that's definitely fair i think that had we not turned over the ball we would have had an additional six points so at best they would have tied the game i i would go the opposite i would say you know, we've been in close games because our defense is so good. Yes, the turnovers are what put us in that position, but in the past years, we would just get walked all over. I our guess, defense comes yeah, out. Yeah. And I guess they what make I'm saying stops. is games are closer than they should have been if we're winning them because of turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota yeah. and Detroit being and Houston. Well, we lost Houston and we lost at New England. Right. We lost two New England. I mean, so ultimately, it comes down to I mean, for what he does for the rest of the offense. I mean, it's not about like. Would you? It's. It, I guess it's what you're trying to say, which is, would you give up? Would you take the turnovers for what it does to the offense? And I think case in point, 
you know, it's it's really hard to say because would EJ Manuel even have been in those situations? But when Kyle Orton isn't turning the ball over, he's doing some amazing things with yeah, the ball. Like yeah, like you said, he's you been know? at he's been at or damn near well, he's been at or above seventy percent in all three of his starts so far. Right. I mean, and that's with throwing the ball forty fucking times. I mean it's not like right. it's not like he's Ben Roethlisberger back there only having to drop back twenty two times. I mean Right, and I'll finally come to a decision on on, what, on your question because I'm Going back and forth, but I've decided that the reason that I'm willing to accept his turnovers is for what he does to the morale of the offense. So I think that, yes, he may have put you in the bad spot and then brings you back from it, but the rest of the offense is real happy catching the ball from him. You know, he's distributing what he threw to 10 different receivers the first time he played. The first time he ever played in a Bills uniform, he didn't just go to his outlet receiver. He threw to 10 different receivers. And that's continued. You know, he's, he spreads the ball around. People, he's getting long throws. People aren't feeling like, oh, if I run past 20 yards, it's just a decoy route because there's no way no one's gonna, someone's going to throw to me. You know, the third receiver in the progression actually thinks, hey, there's a chance I may get the ball. He's also not throwing the ball where receivers get killed going to cr- yeah. going for the ball. Yeah, like, or like can't EJ catch it doing. at all. Yeah. Or can't catch it at all. I mean, like, granted, he had some off-target throws, like... The, the Detroit throw to Sammy, which was, you know, an amazing catch by Sammy. But, you know, if EJ throws that, we were like, oh, God, there's another bad Although throw. Although Sammy came out and said that he ran the wrong route. That the throw oh, was yeah, low. that's true. That's true. All right, well, let me then simply put, is Kyle Orton exceeding oh, expectations? Without, you don't know. I, I actually, actually expected him to do well. Okay. I, I think that he has been on really bad teams and put in bad situations. But, you know, I've... I've been forced to pay attention to this guy because my wife's cousin went to Purdue and has been <laughs> shouting at me about neckbeard, 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 uh, and how great of a, a player he is. And the more and more I watched him, yeah, 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 he makes some mistakes, but he also makes some like big time NFL throws. And the other thing that he has is some swagger. Yeah, he's, That's, he's, I was just gonna yeah. say he's yeah. got a, He's got a pair between his legs, and I like it. And he's got, and it's a it's a swagger with some leadership too. Right. I mean, when was the last time we had a quarterback that could actually be the leader of a team? And we were talking about it at the bar. Yeah. Um, against the Patriots when they had to go for it on fourth down. And actually, the, the, the first time when they converted on it, and he was screaming. I don't know if he was screaming for his players to get back on the field or screaming at the punt team to get off, but the camera panned to him and he just in saying, time for him to clearly get say, the get off. the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, I like to see that. Well, I mean, I think that it's, I think it's pretty amazing because here's the thing: regardless of what coach, he's taking control, regardless of what coach told them, it was time to to punt or whatever. No, Kyle Orton knew what all, he wanted to do. They all just listened to him because they saw the fear of the neckbeard. I don't know if it was the mustache, but they were scared of him, and they said, "Well, I'm not getting on the field, coach. Fire me. I'm not getting on that field because Kyle looks like he's going to kill somebody." You know, and this is on the heels of telling a reporter that's a crap question. Today, when asked uh, if shaving the mustache had anything to do with the win, his response was simply, I've won plenty of football games in my life with and without facial hair. It had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean... I love it. Yeah. The guy's kind of an asshole, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm totally okay with that. He has highlights in his hair. <laughs> that is true. We noticed that on Sunday. I mean, I think it's important because Lars, you were bagging on his barber. I think he did a nice job with the highlights. Highlights, yeah. It's a good <laughs> touch. I still think he should just go high and tight and shave He also told, was John at the official, as we saw... You know oh, when yeah. they when they had that, oh, yeah. the the intentional grounding call. You know he wouldn't let it go. He wouldn't let it go. He's like literally in the in the huddle, and rather than continuing the huddle, he turns and he goes, "That's a bad call." Yeah, you know? <laughs> time is of the essence. And then he turns around and makes the the completion to 
Chris Hogan. So uh, turnovers are going to be a key factor in yeah. this upcoming game against true. New York. Uh, mark my words for both sides of us. It, this is going to be. This is the hardest game all year to 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 call to figure out what the fuck is going to happen. So let's let's get right into it. Talk about these New York Jets that we're going to the Meadowlands to take on on Sunday. So, it's a big pre-bye week game, it's a conference game, it is a divisional game, and it is against the team that I hate just a little bit more than... The Patriots. Really? No. J e t s suck suck suck. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't. Uh, and by the way, our first division game on the road this year. Because and and and, and it's not really true. Because if we beat the Patriots, I'll be a lot happier. But I think that's more because of the fact that the Patriots are so good. That's what pisses me off when we lose to the Jets. Because I feel like the Jets always kind of suck, and yet we lose to them when we go to New York. And. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, about the Jets. We were talking about this a little bit last week. This team is 1-6, but good lord have they had a horrible schedule. <laughs> yeah. They played some really, really, so really what, hard teams. Cutler, Stafford, Manning, Brady. Who else in that run? Um, did they did they face Andrew Luck? I, either way, I it was like a murderous row of elite NFL. Aaron Rodgers, I think, was in there. You know, and I, and Det- you know, so, I mean, we beat some of the people that they played. So I think that's that's a yeah. Know, how about our team and... owning the NFC North right now? Three and zero. How about the AFC East owning the NFC North? It's been across the board. That's true. Has Embarrassing. There been... Unless the Jets are playing them. Yes, true. Yeah, that's true. But here's the thing: I, I don't think this is going to be an easy game. I think this is going to be a messy game. I think that given our propensity for turnovers and Rex Ryan's defense, I was just looking at the stats today. They're back up there. They're back up there amongst the elite defenses, similar to ours. But you know they are—they're not allowing a lot of yardage. They, um, when I was looking at their rushing stats, one of them was like in the 80s per game, and the other one was like 82, something like that. So we're we're comparable now. When I looked at you know the NFL uh, website has the the ratings of like you know total like offensive rating, defensive rating, and this and that. We beat them in three out of four categories, but it was, you know, by a margin of a couple, you know, a couple places. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think that we're going to destroy Geno Smith. Yeah. But that's what I said when we played Mark Sanchez. Um, and, you know, we did the one time. Had, we beat well, them, yeah. And it was the one time we've beaten in New York in the last five or six years. Right. So, I mean, six interceptions and we still had to go to overtime. <laughs> right. So, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think that the keys to the game, well, let's actually, why don't we go around the room? What do you think the key to the game is, Cassie? Oh, goodness. I'll, I'll start. Go ahead, please. Sammy Watkins versus any of their defensive backs. Revis Island? He plays for the Patriots now. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who else? Nobody. Their, their secondary is beat up right now they're either injured or guys off the street their secondary is their weak their weak spot 
And when you say guys off the street, you don't mean Darrell Rivas looking like a homeless person. No, because that's, that's, that's everyday. But do you friend. actually mean people off the street? And, you know, this this is, of course, assuming that Kyle Orton can make sense of the ridiculous looks, the pre-snap looks, and the, the exotic blitzes he'll see, and the guys, when they drop nine into coverage, when it looks like they're going to blitz the house. I mean... Somebody was trying to make the argument today that this is what Kyle Orton does best. I don't know what evidence there is to suggest that. Maybe he does. I don't know. But one thing is for sure, our line certainly doesn't do much well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Kyle Orton can make all the reads they want to. <laughs> but we were just watching on the highlights from uh, from last game. Another stunt play and another episode of our guards just getting blown the hell up. Yeah, if the defense does anything even remotely exotic, our our line looks completely lost, and that's all New York does. I just feel like we shouldn't be practicing anything this week other than our defense running stunts and our offense trying to defend it. Like, they should just go off in their own space and do that and then let, you know, Sammy Watkins run directly against a, you know, a cornerback or whatever. The team doesn't need to play as a team right now because these guys are a hot mess in their individual compartments. The issue of what we're going to miss big time, which we saw clearly on the game on Sunday, was Booby Dixon cannot pick up a block. So Yeah, certainly not like Fred Jackson can. Yeah, hopefully Bryce... I mean, he could probably do a little better than CJ, but, <laughs> but that's not saying much. Nah. So, he, I mean, was, he was also gassed at the yeah. end of the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was not ready for that. But, you know, but <laughs> the guy... The There's guy, a reason they call him Booby. Yeah. The guy put up, uh, what is it, like, seven-yard average total? Like, well, yeah, I mean, let me, let's let's talk. I mean, because that uh, that is... That's another key to the game. I mean, the right? other key what? to the game is our rushing attack. And we'll get to their offense in a second, but we have no clue what Bryce Brown brings to the table. We, we have virtually no idea what he's going to do. We have... I've been making the argument that CJ is just really bad at running the offense that they want to run. So you'd have to think that a guy that they went out and handpicked and traded for, and a guy like Bryce Brown, is well suited. Plus, he's got fresh legs. And now, gr- granted, the the Jets are coming off of a of a long longer week rest with the Thursday game, but is is, is he going to prove me right? And that it was CJ's inability to find a crease all along, or are we going to be completely stuffed? And if we have no clue what he can do, then the Jets definitely have no clue as well. So That's a I good mean, point. When he's stepped up off of no preparation, he's been lights out. He's been amazing. When he played in, in um, Philly. Philly, Philly yeah. um, and one other place where he, where he played, I thought. He's only played in Philly. Okay, so both times he played in Philly, <laughs> he was really great. I mean, look, I guess there was some question about fumbles or whatever, but hey, but he everyone also, else on our team fumbles too. So you too, know so. his story, right? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting story. Injured. Do you know his story? No, I don't. So he was the number one recruit coming out of high school in 2009, but he... He sold subscriptions to an online newsletter about him and his stats, which violated, like, every NCAA (laughs) rule in the book. And so he lost his offer to Miami, I think it was, and had to go play at K-State and got into kind of some trouble there, too. So he went to another – so he – He wound up at K-State. He verbally committed to, I think, Florida or some some Floridian team and then went somewhere else and then got – then, and then when it was um, the guy who went to go coach Lane Kiffin, when Lane Kiffin went to go coach USC, he left that school and went to Kansas. Then he gets to Kansas and injures himself, so he's out for another year. And so basically, he had like one year and you know played like backup. And so it was like you know he just really never had a shot to and he's, uh, prove which, himself. He is literally think... starting the first game since high school with us. Really, this is his first start. 
since high school. That at least that's what they said on on one of these articles. I, I don't know how. So that the works. optimist in me says he's got something to prove. <laughs> well, I mean, you read these articles. This guy is like, I have no doubt in myself. I know that I can play at this level. I know I can play well at this level. I know I can play as well as anyone else that has been playing. Kind of saying like, hey, Fred and CJ, what do you... Well, I mean, based on the way that Fred and CJ, based on our rushing attack has happened, I, I don't think it's that unreasonable to say that. I would like to see him actually run against our starting... Uh, run with our starting offensive lineman in place. I can't um, wait to see how yeah. this plays Hopefully out. he's just salivating out there being like, God damn it. Like, Freddie went down, CJ went down, oh yeah, yeah this I mean, is my opportunity. I mean, not, say, not that he's rooting for people to but get But I think that but. watching the highlights of him, I can, I can tell you right away, he is significantly better at CJ, at, at finding gaps, in, in like slowing down to let blocks set up, and then, then making hard cuts off those blocks, which is exactly what I was saying last week that CJ is very poor at. So right away, we have an improvement there. I think, you know, the funny thing is that people think of like, okay, Booby can like get the yardage when needed, and Bryce Brown is like kind of the slashy. I actually think that Bryce Brown's game translates more to Freddie Jackson. I because I think he can more. run up the middle. You can, couldn't agree less? Or, more. Yeah. So, I mean, he runs up the middle and just finds the space. Well, at least when I saw him in preseason. And he's quicker. He, and he, yeah, he finds the space through there. Now, and granted, in the open field, he's probably fa- faster than Fred. He definitely. But he is. can also make people miss the way that Fred could. You know, I mean, Fred could make people miss despite being old, despite doing whatever. And then. But he what, has the thing he shares in common with Fred that he doesn't share in common with CJ is he takes those angles. Right. He's good at finding and getting finds to space. Crease. Yeah. And, and then. I mean, maybe the break his breakaway speed is probably closer to to, to CJ's, but especially now. I mean, and then and then the other thing is that you know, Booby Booby is the fullback that we've always wanted. Except nobody told Booby that he has a yeah that he yeah. has a fullback's body. Fullback? What is this juking Booby, and trying to? Why does he, he try is... to hurdle a DB? He's got him by eighty pounds, brother. Just lower your shoulder and truck the guy. You know what? Guy. You know why he does it? Because he can and because he did. <laughs> because he okay? can. So, like, granted, it took like five minutes for him to actually jump into the air and land, but he but you know like three yards. The guy is, is incredibly athletic. He's like, I feel like people are missing. But he needs... I feel like I'm misunderstood. He needs I feel to like channel that athleticism making, and just running straight you know, ahead. he's so damn excited. Just let that man I know, play. I know. He's like, got, because that same energy is used to just bowl defenders over. And, God, he gets four people on him and is still just pumping his legs. Like, it's amazing. Like, there's there's a lot of Jerome Bettis I see in Booby Dixon. All right, slow down. So, no, no, I mean, so, in, in the running style. And it's not just all power. Like, he's able to catch the ball out of a backfield. You know, no one gave him a chance to do that. But, God, it was against the Bears that he had, like, a 20-yard reception out of the backfield. So, first offensive play from scrimmage on Sunday is... Booby Dixon... Four yard carry right up the middle, dragging somebody. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we one of the, we can't talk about this Jets team without acknowledging the fact that Geno Smith has never put together four mistake free quarters, let alone eight, in his entire career. That if you look up a the definition of mistake prone quarterback, there's a picture of his ugly mug next to it, and. They played damn near perfect last week against New England and and lost. They statistically, no other team has done what they did against New England, both in terms of rushing yards and in time of possession, and managed to lose. However, that picture of Geno Smith with mistake prone has an asterisk next to it, calling out the Buffalo Bills because his first game that he played what was it last year? Yeah, 
We made him look like a quarterback genius. And by we, you mean Justin Rogers, and I could not agree with you more, but he's not with us any longer. And, and it really was. I mean, I hate to say it, but it really was that one player. Because <laughs> the only, like, we had to put him on the field because we had nobody else. And, and, and he just threw against him. Like, Stefan Gilmore and Leotis McKelvin, well, actually, neither of them were on the field, but Leotis McKelvin and Aaron Williams were sitting there like, dude, just throw the ball to us. Let us defend somebody. Like, we can't, we can't cover this guy. You can't cover him up, you know? And But he does have a new toy to play with this week in Percy, Percy Harvin, yeah. who apparently got into it with Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate. I mean the, <laughs> the best thing about the best thing about Percy Harvin and like his like personality issues and the person who's coming <laughs> to his defense is Brandon Spikes. <laughs> like asshole on a team who I love, but he's totally a dick, and he was a dick when he was with the Patriots, and we hated him when he was with the Patriots, but he's the person, like, he's such a great teammate. He's misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, just but, like... But Russell Wilson came to his defense in, in That's the because end. Russell Wilson is is, is, is a walking dude, PR yeah, right? machine. Well, Andy has no one to throw to now. So. Ask me about my baseball career. So, uh, but here's the thing, though. But with Percy State Harvin Farm. and with and with Geno Smith American and with their defense <laughs> and and their their potent run attack, that they, I told you we shouldn't have had that beer before the third started. They rolled out against the Patriots on Thursday. This team is very likely to put up a big play once or twice in this game. I, that is the one thing: is that the Jets, despite him being a moron and fumbling and throwing picks. Kind of sounds like our quarterback, but he makes up for it. He, yeah, you know he he throws for you good can't yardage. let them hang around. He, yeah, no, no, and, that that final drive against the Patriots in that game. I mean, yeah, they put is, up a nice long drive there. Lots this is why I say that, you know, and I hope Nathaniel Hackett's listening. I know that he's I know that he subscribes, and I know that he I, we were texting earlier, so he understands how important our 100th episode is. But I hope he's listening when I say. Throw the fucking ball to Sammy Watkins the first ten plays of the game because we we need we need to get up early and often on these guys and force Geno Smith to do something that he doesn't want to do and try to make plays that he's not good enough to make. And I think that we also we need to run more Booby than Bryce. Ooh, I don't know about that. But okay. So and, and let me let me explain why. So the Jets' defense is a very very strong defense up, up the middle. They are going to clog running lanes. I kind of feel like we need a power back. To just push and push and get three yards. Because we all know there's no way in hell Nate Dog is going to run people out the outside. He didn't do it with CJ Spiller. He sure as hell isn't gonna do it with Bryce Brown. So he's gonna try and force those guys up the middle. First play from scrimmage is gonna be a pitch to Bryce Brown watching the well, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> so I mean he but he's going to try to run people up the middle. He always tries to run people up the middle. And I feel like with this defense it's gonna have to be Booby because I don't know that Fred will be able to get past would be able to get past this defense either. This is gonna be an exciting game. It's gonna be oh, a stressful game. It's so stressful. I'm like, it, oh. it's such an important. I mean, this will be two years in a row. We go into the bye week having beat the Jets, but going into the bye at five and three Woo! with an opportunity Maybe. to roll off two more against the streaky Chiefs and the streaky Browns, both at home. And keep in mind that every single division leader. Hmm? The highest, the the best, the best Dolphins win loss percentage of all division leaders is five and two, except for um, Denver, who's five and one because they've already had their bye. But it's, nobody it, has more than five wins. And so New we England, are one game behind. New England is the actually best in the league after this week. New England um, 
hosts Chicago this week, so... Ugh, I, Chicago is going to rebound. So <laughs> yeah, I mean... They yeah. have to. Here's my <laughs> fear. My fear is that I rarely see the Bills and the Bears win on the same weekend. They got the Colts, then they got the Lions. I just looked it up that quick. And then this <laughs> entire time... All right, so they got Bears... Colts, Lions, Packers, Chargers. Yeah, I mean, they got a... Whoa, they that's, got, that's what the Patriots have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they got the They're Dolphins. Not... Dolphins coming back for Here... the second time around, baby. Here's the one thing that the Bills have never done. We do not have a good second half of the season. Or at least we have not had one in years. Not since 2004 when we made the run to then lose to the Steelers. Second teamers. Oh. Yeah. So here's our chance. This is this is starting it off. Yeah, and I th- there's, a, there's a lot of tension in Bills Nation. There's certainly a lot of tension in this room over the game. Let's just go to wild card and predictions. Even though this is our 100th episode, every episode must come to an end. This episode is no different, which means we've arrived at the wild card portion of this week's installment. It's the wild card! card. Why you got to fuck everything (laughs) up? Damn it! And yes, uh, it's. I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but it is our 100th episode. So this is you are you are now officially a member of the Bills and Beers Century Club. This is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Bills, but we also enjoy beer. And tonight we've been doing uh, a little bit of the classics, some Labatt Blues, some uh, Coors Banquet. But uh, Cassie, during one of the segment breaks, was gracious enough to bring me a local a local brew, uh, the Oktoberfest from. Revolution Brewery. If you've ever seen the movie Drinking Buddies, you guys ever watched this movie? No. Um, great cast. It's like Jason Sudeikis, the dude from New Girl, um, Olivia Wilde, and uh, Anna Kendricks. And the movie sucks. Uh, a lot of people liked it. I hated it. I thought it was terrible. I can't decide if uh, Anna Kendricks is hot. She's not, actually. But there's um, something about her. I know her. there is something about her. And, yeah, you, you will spend most of the movie trying to figure that out, too. Uh, but the movie characters, or at least Olivia Wilde and Sudeikis and the dude from New Girl, Jake What's-His-Face, all work at Revolution Brewing. I don't think they call it out, but it's filmed on location, and you can clearly see the Fist logo in the background. And, uh, like I said, Cass was um, gracious enough to lend me the Oktoberfest. It is delightful. It's, it's quite sweet. It's very smooth. I like it a lot. I, I, I won't need that back. You can keep it. Thank so, you. It's I, a gift, I, not a lend. I will tell you I have a very close friend that works at Revolution Brewery. Um, interesting story. Uh, so someone I met doing as when I was working as a scientist, uh, she was doing a PhD, and she was just such an incredible scientist that Revolution – she also really liked to drink beer, by the way. But Revolution Brewery said, hey, you're a scientist. You're really good with quality control and making sure that everything is very exacting and perfect. So they brought her in to run some of their quality control of their brewery system. Because anyone that's actually been to a brewery and learned about the sciences of it is that it's a very exacting science. Um, So, you know, and then over the time, they also trained her to become a taster. And so she's now, like, one of their, like, specialty tasters. And I was just like... How the hell did I end up as a physician? And she was she was played in the film Drinking Buddies by Olivia Wilde. Yeah, that's that's. Or is it I Olivia think. Munn? Which one am I thinking of? I don't know. The one that's not in Newsroom. Let's. I think the most important thing is that this is Bills and Beers. Yes. And it is our hundredth episode. Century Club. It is our Century Club episode. 
Now, unfortunately, we have not been playing Century Club because we wouldn't be able to make it to the end of the episode. <laughs> I haven't done this just since but like any of you guys, any of you guys that know what Century Club is um, are, are laughing right now. So Century Club is where you take a shot of beer every minute for 100 shots. And if you calculate that out, that is 100 ounces of beer, which is a shit ton of beer. Uh, it's more than a six-pack in 90 minutes. And generally, you're fall-down drunk. If you can make it to the end of it, you're fall-down drunk by the end of it. The problem is that when you take a beer and put it into a shot glass, there's a lot of bubbles that happens there. And it's not always about I'm too drunk to go on. It's that I just don't have any more room in my stomach yeah. to go on. Yeah, that's that's the kicker. So and if you haven't already, if you make it all the way to the end, you break that seal in a big way. Right. And here's the problem, or here's the question. It is our Century Club episode, so my question to you is, when the entire Bills team and support staff does the Century Club together after the Super Bowl victory at the end of this year, who is the first person to just pass out in the process? I'm going to go first, because we never talk about this guy, and he seems like a very unlikely choice here, but I'm going to give mine to Cordy Glenn. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 poor Corey. Because <laughs> he's just a little teddy bear. Yeah, and I also, I, doesn't he strike you as the kind of guy who is like very straight-laced, probably reads every night before he goes to sleep, probably hasn't had alcohol ever in his life. Um, he, he, yeah, I mean, you don't hear, you just hear about him being extremely talented, but not about like a mean streak. Like Cyril Richardson, you hear about a mean streak, yeah. even though he has no talent. No, when I, and when I think about it, I think, well... Clearly, Jeff Toole has done uh, a Century Club or two in his life, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that Cordy Glenn never has, never will, and if he started it, he would not make it past minute 46. Yeah. I, even, I like even, even though he's like 370 pounds. I really, I really, really like that. <laughs> so I'm going to go with something a little bit more obvious, and I think that it's it's going to be Jesus. Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> now, Marquise, Marquise, don't get me wrong. Marquise is going to have the entire room on the floor laughing while he's so fucking trashed that he's jumping around and like, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do another one. Give me another shot. Give me another shot. And he's just going to be losing his mind, bouncing off the wall, and then he's literally going to run. He's not going to be the alcohol. He's going to be so drunk that he's re- literally running so fast because he's Marquise Goodwin. He's going to be running in circles, going crazy, and he's going to run flat into a wall and pass out with a concussion. <laughs> or he's just going to, like, fall over. It's one of the two. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I was going to go easy and say, you know, since you said staff, the, the midget on our you know, train set. <laughs> you know that midget can put him away. Cass, Cass oh, is the, is she it, gets the mid-season crown for best at wild card. She's killing it this year. Guy. But my true answer is going to be none other than Scott Chandler. Oh, come on. Oh. Do you know why? Is he like he's Mormon? a hardcore is he Christian? Mormon? He is a hardcore Christian boy. Him and his wife go to church every Sunday. Yeah. He's from Iowa, born and raised in Texas. That boy would be doing like shots of water, and he'd you know be doing the shots, pretending like he's you know keeping up, but there's no way he's even putting back two. So beers. let's okay, and I think that's a good pick. I like your pick too. I like my pick. Let's talk about the players on our team that would clearly dominate. <laughs> well, that's easy. Because I think that's a little easier, and it's also a little more fun. I have the two Marcel, Marcel Darius would not blink an eye. Okay, <laughs> I think Kyle Williams does one every night just to fall asleep. 
Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton. And Dan Carpenter's ass. Yeah, yeah. Dan Carpenter drinking Kyle. some shit. Yeah. He does. He does a Century Club using bourbon. Yeah. yeah those. Yeah. Those. Or the, moonshine. Yeah, those are the names that came to mind for me. Um, Brandon Spikes. Brandon Spikes yeah. would probably spike his with bourbon too. I mean, yeah. he wouldn't be taking a straight beer. Yeah, we definitely got some guys in the team that could put him back. Also, so Nigel Bradham. Yeah, Nigel, but Nigel Bradham's gonna get in a fight. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, Nigel Bradham. Brandon, Nigel Bradham and Brandon Spikes are definitely angry drunks. I, you know what? I think uh, Colton Schmidt might be a, a long shot, but just yeah. out Dude, of that college, guy's, that guy's jacked up. Young Dude, guy, he's been to, and he's been hanging, having to hang out with Dan Carpenter. Well, and think about it. He's always <laughs> been a punter on a team, so he can go out and party, put him away a little bit more, and doesn't have to like go to so perform we, as much. You know, I, I seem to think that. The the notion of having the punter as the holder sort of began in the Mormon era. That I think we were one of the first teams to do that. It's, it's become a lot more regular since, but for whatever reason, it was a duty that fell to the backup quarterback, quarterback. maybe to keep the fake in play. But like if, if well, they, yeah, it was because if you have a muff snap, you have someone that can actually throw the ball. Yeah, except if well, how often does that happen? Right? Yeah, how often does it happen? And if it's like an, on an extra point or something, like okay, great, you got to throw the ball eight yards, but um. I if I was Colton Schmidt, I would like be giving Dan Carpenter shots like every practice, and that's like that's how you'd get good. Like he would just get him really drunk <laughs> during practice, so he's used to seeing like three sets of goalposts, and that's how he's so money from fifty eight yards. You know, out. I had I had a discussion. I remember when we were in medical school, there was people saying that you know if you study drunk <laughs> and you can still get it on the exam, that, that then then you really really know the stuff. That's not true. I, it doesn't work. No. I, I tried it. Doesn't that's not, work. That, that's not true at all. Well, we're so glad you joined us uh, for all 100 episodes. If you have made made him throw, if you haven't, uh, good luck finding some of the old ones because they don't exist. You'd have to email me to have, and I can send you the files. I don't even know if the first season's out there. But rest assured, this is our 100th episode. Thank you so much for listening. It's going to be a fun game on 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 Sunday. Yeah, let's get the predictions. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost went over. Uh, best case, worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, our running back gets injured. (laughs) (laughs) No, we got that other guy. We got the guy. We got we got a new guy. Yeah, uh, Phil Phil Tanner. Something. Yeah. Yeah. You mean from uh, Full House? Great. Yeah. Can't wait. We got Uncle Jesse (laughs) as our third string running back. (laughs) Yeah, but he does this hilarious routine, uh, this ventriloquist routine with a hedgehog puppet. It's great. Oh, awesome! I would like to say that just as, as a quick aside before we end this episode is that. I uh our, re- our local Costco has started carrying Labatt Blue, and I've now picked up my second twenty eight pack of it. Uh, not because I'm drinking so much, but because I you know want to stock up because it's so much cheaper there. And uh, while I was in Costco, it was soon after the Bills win and and whatever. Um, for some reason, a song just popped into my head, and it goes, "I get my Labatts on the discount rack." I like Booby Dixon because you know he's stacked. And it's just like over and over and over again in my head. So that's, 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 I love Booby because it's stacked. Best case scenario, Cass. Uh, best case scenario, we blow him out, obviously. But, uh, you know, Orton just comes back, throw, you know, plays a good game. We, we, he doesn't get sacked. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Best case scenario, situationally, we get to Geno Smith, sack him, force a couple fumbles, make him throw an interception or two. And keep them off their game. We win 28-17, 28-13 maybe. Worst case scenario, they do the same to us. Uh, they look at their 1-6 and six record and say, no chance, we're a lot better. And our season begins anew today. 
and they come out all guns blazing. Percy Harvin has a day, and we just get killed like thirty-four to three. Ugh. So I'm gonna turn this one around. You know, usually I'm always doing that. It's like oh, thirty-eight ten, you know, we win, or thirty-eight seventeen, they win. So those are my good and bads. So I think this week I'm gonna change it around. I'm gonna say that we score twenty points on offense. This is our my worst case scenario. Yeah, and they just they just take our defense to t- to town. Uh, that Geno Smith, you know, sucks against everyone else, but like in typical Bills fashion, um, he is amazing against us. Plus, our offense gives him turnovers galore, um, and so they win forty-two um, twenty. So something just like ridiculous. I mean, it's a worst case scenario. Wow. Uh, that would be the over. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's make it thirty-eight. Let's make it thirty-eight. I oh, always oh, feel oh, comfortable thirty-eight twenty. Oh, oh, thirty-eight twenty. Uh, now, my best case scenario is not going to be us just destroying them 38-20. It's going to be 17-0. Hmm. I think that our defense has the capability of shutting out a team. They've already been shut out once this year. Right. And so, you know, there's been a lot of times where... And what that will require is that our offense does not turn over the ball. So it's going to be offense doesn't turn over the ball, and then defense just plays lights out. Percy Harvin is, you know, just not ingrained yet into the system he has no chemistry yeah. with geno smith i don't think he'll be much of a I, I i well yeah i mean knock on wood i have to knock on something that does not contain the uh microphone. Right, okay right. um but so that's what that's what i'm thinking is that you know our our defense has earned it i feel like they deserve themselves a shutout and that that this will be the week i mean either way we're looking at one of two narratives right are the jets done big win over buffalo when their backs were against the wall and suddenly the jets are right back in the mix or is Rex Ryan going to be the coach of the New York Jets for the latter half of the season? I mean, that's one of the two scenarios we're looking at. Or, or the third way. scenario, the Buffalo Bills are for real. I like that, cast, And that is, a oh. great, that is a great way to end the 100th episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. BillsandBeers.com. Tell everybody you know. For Buffalo Bill Belcher, who's on, not with us tonight. Uh, for the long-forgotten Jeff Day. For Cassie. For Sujit. I'm Lars. Go Bills. Go Bills. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout. Welcome back, listeners, to the... Hmm. Way to start off episode 100. <laughs> Wait, I gotta... Okay. You need another beer? Yeah. Settle.